Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. 11 o'clock. Welcome in. Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler West and Chris, we've been broadcasting out here at Goldline Framing, 511 12th Street in West Columbia all morning long. Still got another hour to go. Josh is out here. He has got tickets uh, for tonight's game between Carolina and uh, Clemson. Women's basketball got Carolyn's passes to give away. Got T-shirts. Uh, come by and see us again, 511 12th Street in West Columbia, which is the start of a very busy day here on the game. As uh, Terry will be out at the Nest broadcasting from 12 until 3 on Gadsden Street, and then Jay and Terry will be out at Todd Moore from 3 until 6. And uh, speaking of being on location, Monday be out of firehouse subs once again this time the main street location literally like a stone's throw from our studio yep 633 main street right on usc campus right across from guys where i used to live at usc and the now demolished Ooh, we're gonna get some chris stories yeah, while we're over there we may, i mean every time i walk over there i get a little bit it's nostalgic uh but we're gonna enjoy ourselves some firehouse subs and if you guys if you've not had the new turkey thanksgiving sub you need to check it out thanksgiving right around the corner this corner this is a limited time offering it's actually my understanding that columbia is one of the select markets in the entire country that has this thing carved turkey cranberry mayo dressing which is what we call it in the south you can get it at firehousesubs.com using the rapid rescue it'll be ready when you go into firehouse subs to pick it up or available on the app you can earn yourself some rewards either way by linking a loyalty account, earn yourself some rewards to get some free firehouse subs in the future. Looking forward to being there on Monday. Yep, absolutely excited to be out there. Uh, again, coming up on Monday for uh, the holiday week as we get set for uh, South Carolina and Clemson. But obviously our focus first is on Kentucky this upcoming weekend. Yesterday we heard from the coordinators. Dow Loggins was asked about Spencer Rattler and how much he spread the ball around this past weekend to uh, against Vanderbilt, getting the ball to 10 different receivers, and if that's something that can be sustained going forward. Here's what Loggins had to say. Both. I think it's a great. It's a great question. I didn't know that, and it's kind of like what we just talked about. Like the, everyone playing a role, um, it keeps morale high um, when guys are appreciated, and, and everyone wants to touch the ball. And there's only one ball, so it's, and it's hard sometimes to spread it around, especially when you have Xavier Leggett and you want to get him the ball. Um, but it's a it's a combination of guys getting better through the months of November and December, and continue to get better through the season. Um, and guys, when their number's called, going in and making plays, Spencer getting through progressions. Um, and some of those times, like, those are, like, he's getting to three or four in progression to get backside. I mean, you guys know that Leggett most of the time is going to be one or two in a progression. Sometimes we use him as a decoy, but not very often. Um, so when he's getting backside to things and guys are making plays for him, and it gives, it, the other thing he does is it gives Spencer confidence to get to a progression where he doesn't have to be, fixated on throwing the ball to Leggett all the time. And you, the Knicks and Tyshawns and Luke Doty and A.B. and 
um, Peyton Manger played 16, 17 snaps for us, and I'm, I'm sure I'm going to miss some. That's why I don't like individualizing people like Josh and um, JD played and Nick Elskis played and Connor Cox played. Like all those guys, like it's just good for them to play, and it's good for this time of the season for everyone to play. It keeps morale high. It, they continue. The only way to get better is to go play football. Like you get better from practice, but you got to go do it on Saturdays, and that experience helps. And then making plays in games helps as much as anything. I think he was um, the the question was asked in the way is that just you know the the defense that you're going up against which Vanderbilt obviously had a, a defense that struggled or is it you know Spencer being so good at going through his progressions and having so many options and I think I think Tyshawn Russell even had a drop on Saturday so that could have even been in uh, an eleventh receiver but uh, you know definitely good to see so many guys getting touches this past weekend maybe don't have this many this weekend against Kentucky but um, I'm sure he'll still be able to spread the ball around pretty well. Yeah, and I, I think. Uh, against this Kentucky heavily zone-based defense, um, you know it, it's a little bit different than uh, than facing like a, a man team. I think so. the uh, The progressions are a little bit different, and um, you know I, I think the way you attack it is a little bit different. So we'll see. You know I, I think they'll obviously try to continue to involve people like Josh Simon. Uh, you know in the passing game, uh, they were really able to attack Vandy. With their running backs in the passing game as well, it felt like. But we know there was a one big play where where DJ Braswell got kind of just lost, uh, you know, in coverage there. So you, you don't necessarily maybe see that as much with Kentucky. But uh, th that's been just a some of that I think is just Rattler being Rattler. Like he has gotten so good at working through those progressions at light speed and then still being able to physically deliver the football. Like I, I think for some quarterbacks, there's a disconnect, especially early in their career. They may be able to point it out, you know, going through tape or something. Hey, that's my first read. That's my second. That's my third. Uh, but to go out there and do it and then do it in real time and still be able to sort of have the the technique uh, to, to deliver the football, I think is just so impressive. And I, I think that's something NFL teams are going to love about what Rattler's done this year. And, you know, I, I watch games on Sunday, and some of the quarterbacks, some of these teams are trotting out there. Um, you know, and I, and I know some of them are in backup situations because of, a, you know, a guy got hurt or something. Well, you know, Mike, Mike even had Field Yates on podcast last week. He he sort of put Spencer into that box as like, you know, hey, this guy could stick in the NFL as a backup quarterback. I, I think teams are going to see quite a bit more upside than that with Spencer Rattler now. Field Yates knows far more than I do about the NFL draft side of things, but we've watched we've watched every snap Spencer Rattler has played here at South Carolina, and the level in which he executes, like the percentage of times that he executes this year, uh, is just absolutely off the charts. Well, and I think that something that stood out about the Kentucky, or Kentucky the Vanderbilt game, is he had time, no sacks, just I think four pressures on, what, almost 40 passing attempts. Those are great numbers. Now, you can't expect that to continue against Kentucky. Looking at Kentucky, they're not thrilled about their pass rush right now. They feel like they've been inconsistent there. I think this team is in the top 50 nationally in sacks. They have 23 on the year defensively. That's on the lower end of the SEC, though. Lower end of the SEC. And so that's, of course, the key to this game. Spencer Rattler has been pretty good under pressure whether it's been able to escape been able to make plays but what we've seen this year is that when he does have time when he has a clean pocket 
he's he's hard to beat. I mean, he's been picking teams apart, and that's what we saw against Vandy. I mean, aside from those drops, I think he pointed out, Wes, what do you have, two missed passes? One was the interception where he kind of had a guy in his face. He short-armed a ball to Xavier Leggett. Still a great decision. Just short-armed it a little bit in those conditions. He picked, he picked Vandy apart. So if he can get time in this game, we know Kentucky's going to play that zone defense. So that's a little different than I think they've seen. You know, Kentucky will play more zone than South Carolina is probably accustomed to seeing. Can he pick this Kentucky secondary apart? And I think it's possible. But, again, the key is does he get that time? I mean, South Carolina's played some of the best teams in the country in terms of rushing the passer. That Texas A&M is first in the country in sacks. Tennessee's in the top ten. Uh, Missouri is in the top 20, and on and on. They played a lot of teams that are really good at pressuring the quarterback, and, and that's shown at times. Tennessee, you can see, uh, we saw that from game one on. So that, to me, is kind of a key in this one is can this offensive line, can, can they start for a third week in a row, you know, the same guys out there, that will that stability help you? Because this is probably going to have to be even more of a Spencer Rattler carries you game, given the running back situation, I would think. Yeah, well, and I, I think that goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Um, I mean, you you have a lack of depth right now at running back, but you have your guy. So I, I think the, the curious thing to see will be how much do they try to, uh, you know, kind of roll with, with Mario Anderson. How much do they, do they ride him? And I, I think um, – you know, this is a Kentucky defense that I, I I don't think I have a feel for what the matchup looks like for South Carolina. What I mean by that is what should the expectation be? Like, I, I think this is a pretty good Kentucky defense. Um, you know, if you look at some of the teams they've played lately, other than Mississippi State, um, they, they've given up some points lately. Um, now, there, there's been, you know, I know the Alabama game. Turnovers were heavily involved, at least from the Kentucky side of things, in terms of putting, uh, you know, maybe putting their off or putting their defense in some bad spots there, and so that that factors in as well. But uh, you know, it, is there going to be room to run against this front? They they just physically look like a big front to me, and so can South Carolina get some movement? Uh, you know, can they uh, get anything going in the running game? I thought they'd have been able to run the ball a little bit better the last two weeks, given the matchups there. So. Um, you know, I, I think it's going to be fascinating. I think there will be there will be some ugly moments from the offense against Kentucky because without them being a team that's just going to go out there and, and play man coverage with you, it does limit some of the opportunities for explosive plays. Like, Kentucky's entire thing is keep everything in front. And so if, if you take away all those deep balls, what what's left? on offense so that that to me is a, is a huge key can South Carolina execute well enough to drive down the field and they've done a pretty good job of keeping things in front of them and I know listen to some of the podcasts that cover Kentucky football they do have concerns with what's going on with their secondary particularly when it comes to, to safety but they have been fourth in the SEC against explosive plays this year so that's something again they've actually done a pretty good job at limiting which of course some something that South Carolina has been good at this season um, themselves so that's gonna be an interesting matchup to see play out on Saturday yeah, I think that's schematically what kind of what they do. That's what they're built around. Well, and if you go back and listen to Mark Stoops' comments from his Monday press conference, that was the bulk of what he talked about. I mean, his his entire description. He, he talked fondly about Spencer Rattler and Xavier Leggett, but 
he said this is an explosive offense. They can make explosive. They make a lot of explosive plays. He really harped on it. And so that's their identity, like you said, Wes. They're really, I think, going to double down on that in this game. And so for South Carolina, can you take what they give you? And then can you drive the football? And when you get in the red zone, I have a feeling that red zone play will be important in this. And we've seen that in this Kentucky series. We've seen South Carolina get the ball in plus territory through turnovers or just drive it down there and then bog down. Can you get down there and finish? And can you can you a score? But can you score touchdowns? Yeah, and uh, Kentucky is uh, tenth in the SEC as far as allowing points in the red zone, allowing opponents to score uh, a little over eighty nine percent of the time. And South Carolina, not the best when it comes to red zones, only been able to score eighty percent of the time. Or uh, excuse me, that's Kentucky's red zone percentage there. But um, so that's going to be another interesting matchup to watch uh, watch play out on Saturday as well. Do you know what South Carolina's been in the red zone as far as uh, statistically? I, I, I feel like they've been pretty good down there, honestly. So th- this is a team, I- I'll tell you the eye test of it. I don't know if the numbers back it up. I- I'm guessing they probably do. Uh, this is a team that does not necessarily execute at a high percentage in the number of times they get down there. But when they do get down there, they typically this year – have scored points. So I, I think their red zone percentage is probably pretty good. Yeah, they're, South Carolina's 88% in the red zone, 65% of those uh, being touchdowns. So, yeah, uh, and that's right in the middle of the SEC at seven. So pretty good there. Yeah, they, they've been solid. I think um, you look at uh, our guy uh, Fleming, the Stat of War Twitter, and uh, some fascinating things from him. But he has that thing called an echo rate, which – I kind of hate the name because nobody knows what that means. But th- what it really means is the percentage of times that you have a positive drive, basically. And he has a specific uh, – I think for him it's basically do you get inside the 40-yard line on a drive. And South Carolina is uh, very, very bad on their percentage of, of having those drives. But also their ratio when they do have those drives of actually scoring – it is really, really good. So uh, some of that is because of how reliant they have been on big explosive plays. And we certainly hope South Carolina can carry the momentum of the offense performance last week into the game this weekend against Kentucky. Speaking of momentum, turnovers finally started getting some the past couple weeks. Can they carry that momentum over into Kentucky as well? We'll hear from Clayton White and what he had to say about that next. You're listening to Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs at Gold Line Frame in West Columbia going until noon here on the game. Winning the turnover battle as a football team is is definitely one of our top five things that we discuss every single day. We have to go after the ball, understanding that Kentucky doesn't run a ton of plays. You might not have that many opportunities, so you have to be where you're supposed to be, when you're supposed to be there, and, and do it violent and make sure we are all on the same page. And I mean, if turnovers don't just fall in your lap. Uh, you create them. Uh, you have turnovers on downs. You have takeaways. So in the defensive room, we count turnovers not on downs as turnovers. We don't count them as takeaways, so we want more takeaways, and we got to do a great job of getting to the ball, um, tips and overthrows. We got to get those, and if the ball does bounce our way, we got to take advantage of it. Welcome back in Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler West and Chris out at Gold Line Framing in West Columbia, 511 12th Street, going for about 40 more minutes. 
going until noon. That, of course, was the voice of Clayton White, defensive coordinator for the Gamecocks yesterday, talking about the momentum that they've had with turnovers over these past couple weeks. Um, you know, through the first, uh, what, eight games of the season, they only had seven turnovers, including none, or excuse me, takeaways, including none in the uh, previous three games for taking on Jacksonville State. And then you've been able to pop with six over the course of these past eight quarters, which is obviously huge and something that you can hopefully keep going this weekend uh, against Kentucky. But it brought up an interesting point there. Kentucky, the uh, slowest-paced offense in the entire FBS, as they only average about 50 56 plays per game, so having less opportunities to create those takeaways um, for South Carolina this weekend, more likely than not. Well, one thing that you look at is, I'm I'm not going to win any sort of award by pointing this out, but if you play an overmatched team, a team that you're just simply better than, the odds of you getting those takeaways obviously go up a lot, and when you play teams that are... Uh, that you are overmatched against, you need those takeaways that are that are normally tougher to get in order to pull an upset. And so, you know, South Carolina plays Jacksonville State. That ended up being more evenly matched than I think anybody <laughs> wanted in that stadium uh, or any of the staff, any of the players and, and fans. But turnovers were, you know, an important part of that game. You play Vanderbilt. You know, the conditions are poor. We saw Vandy bounce a snapback, and South Carolina was able to, capitalized by blocking the punt and then returning for a touchdown. We saw you know, fumbles in that game, so ball security was tough. So the conditions, but also I think just the caliber of the opponent and the situations you put them in. So now you play Kentucky, and then you go play Clemson, and, and we're getting ahead of ourselves by looking at Clemson, but they've had plenty of turnover woes this year. In fact, according to Dabo Swinney, they'd be – undefeated if they did not have as many turnovers apparently this season sure um but joking aside you know it has been a better showing from the defense just overall like that that game against vanderbilt was the most complete game they've played all year the most complete game they've played in a while i don't anticipate a performance like that against kentucky or clemson but they knew need to play like that right I, i think that defensive performance whether you look at the takeaways the ability to get off the field on third down, how they affected the quarterback stopping the run. They just did everything well in that game. Now, your competition level goes up, but you're going to have to carry over that type of performance to build confidence. They, they just look like a much more cohesive and confident unit in that game, and they got to carry that over. Well, so we've seen in the last three weeks now, at least you know, counting this coming week, we will have seen the – fastest offense in the country or or top two right up there with Tennessee and and Jacksonville State we obviously saw South Carolina play Tennessee earlier this year and and now the slowest offense in Kentucky which uh, you know I I think is one of the most interesting things about college football is you're going to see all these different diverse ways of doing things that you don't necessarily see from week to week in the NFL if y'all are running an offense what 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 do y'all think is what do you think is the best way to go about it, um, the Kentucky way or the Jacksonville State way? Well, you can have success doing both. I think it's up to your own, I guess, kind of personal philosophy. Um, I don't know if I were doing things, I would lean more towards tempo, but you can, again, still be very successful with a slow, methodic, as long as you're gaining yards, a slow, methodic, plotting offense as well. I, I think the the – the difficult part with offenses like that is when is there so momentum based and if you're not having success 
um, you really put yourself in, in bad spots. Yeah. I think I, I really, I really like the offenses that have it as part of their plan, but aren't just complete. That you know, Jacksonville State, their entire identity was based around tempo. I, I feel like, and that that just feels very five years ago to me. Um, you know, so I, I, I think. Well, you better though in today's college football. You better either have some tempo, or you better have pre-snap shifts that can give you a lots of information about what your opponent's doing, and b help you with creating matchups. I think. Yeah, I think if you look, it, first of all, it's it's very jarring to go look at the top scoring offenses in the country and have to keep scrolling. And Tennessee's tied for George, with Georgia Tech for the 35th best scoring offense in the country. Uh, part of that was, you know, they got. Missouri just pretty much shut them down, right? So that's a big part of it. But Oregon actually number one, by the way, 46.3 points a game. But if you go through the top ten, there's not an offense in there that you could describe as plotting other than Michigan. Mm-hmm. Right, Michigan can line up and run, run the ball, ball 30, 32 times, <laughs> 30 in a row. times in a row. But the other ones are Oregon, LSU, Lincoln Riley at Southern Cal, Jeff Levy, Oklahoma, uh, Washington with Kalen DeBoer, Georgia, which is not, you know, you don't think of them as, as a tempo team, but they'll use it, and they're not just a ground-and-pound team. They they throw the football. They're a balanced team. SMU, North Carolina, right? Yeah. There's a lot. There, there's not many teams in here that are their goal is to line up and say, oh, we'd love to run 50 plays. You don't you don't really see that in the top teams. I will say this: uh, Kentucky's outside of the win against Mississippi State, their most recent best performance uh, in this losing skid they've been on was against Tennessee and losing that game by six points. They did incorporate a little bit of tempo into that game. Devin Leary actually had his best game of the season against Tennessee and benefit from playing that tempo as well. Um, so that's something that we could see them mix in a little bit. It's just not what their MO on offense is. And, and maybe not a coincidence that Devin Leary got comfortable and confident in that game, you know, potentially because they, they went with a little bit different, a little bit faster pace. Um, I, I do think the, the interesting thing, too, about college football is – it, it sounds almost counterproductive to even ask, but but most of those teams are tempo teams. And is, is the point is literally is that are you the best offense because you score the most points? Like how how many of those teams also consistently put their defenses right back on the field and uh, you know in bad spots as well? I would say if you could let me pick, give me give me the Michigan offense and give me the Georgia offense because they're scoring those points while also being more of – they're probably, you know, especially Georgia. Georgia's probably like middle of the pack, I would think, in terms of, of tempo. Like they're not uh, they're not a super slow team, but they're not going to go out there and, and just uh, sprint to the line of scrimmage either. I mean, the, the Jacksonville State guys, man, it's, it's almost funny if you watch how quickly – like all of their guys have been coached up as soon as they're tackled – they're like throwing 15-yard spirals to the referee and sprinting to get lined up, and so it, it is interesting. But I, I do I like Liam Cohen for for Kentucky. I know they've kind of been up yeah. and down on offense this year. I think he's a great mind, man. So to answer your question, Georgia is actually 55th in the nation at 70 plays per game. So right around that middle ground area. But he also to account late in the game when they're just blowing people out and you know just bleeding the clock and running the ball. That also factors into that, too. Um, Speaking of, you know, defense, slowing teams down, Ray Davis going to be obviously a matchup issue this weekend. 
former South Carolina fullback Pat DeMarco on with Bill yesterday gave a very detailed breakdown of the 3-3-5 versus a guy like Ray Davis. Let you guys listen to that. I'll react to that coming up. You'll listen to Gamecock Central Takeover Hour live out at Gold Line Framing in West Columbia going until noon here on the game. Welcome back in. Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler Weston, Chris, along with you for a few more minutes as we're out at Gold Line Framing, 511 12th Street in West Columbia going until noon. Of course, again, we'll be out at Firehouse Subs on Main Street come Monday, speaking of Firehouse Subs, we always appreciate you guys weighing in on the Firehouse Subs text line, 803-404-6100. Chad asks on the text line, my largest concern is can we contain and be physical enough defensively to stop the run? Going to be a long day if we can't. Obviously, South Carolina has had some issues stopping the run uh, over the course of the season and even the games where they have uh, on paper been able to stop the run. That ended up being a pretty long day for the secondary uh, as far as the other team throwing the ball goes. But yesterday, so Pat DeMarco, who's a former South Carolina fullback, uh, usually comes in about once a week, hangs out with Bill. You know, he gets his thoughts on, on the latest game and, and what's going on, um, you know, with South Carolina. And, and obviously the three three five defense is something that they've been implementing more and more. It was their base defense against uh, Vanderbilt. We saw Ben Martin Scott have a really big day um, out there. And, and he or Bill asked him the question yesterday, how that kind of defense can fare against a running back like Ray Davis this upcoming weekend. Here's what uh, Pat DeMarco had to say yesterday. Yeah, I mean, I, I, well, they're, they're going to, I mean, I would say our defensive staff's going to, I mean, going to do a lot of studying and breaking down. Are, are they trying to attack the edges or are they trying to penetrate you in the middle? Are they trying to run tight zone? Are they trying to run wide zone? Are they trying to run duo where they get a bunch of double teams? So, I mean, the one thing that a 3-3-5 defense kind of where you can get attacked is you have soft edges. So 3-3-5, you got to think you, you get edged with a tight end on the on the end of the line unless you put a backer, walk a backer up on the outside. Um, I mean, because you usually have either a four-eye or a five technique or those instead of a three technique and a shade. Um, so, I mean, you can just get attacked on the edges. When, when, when I was playing in Atlanta with Kyle Shanahan, like if a team ever ran an odd front, which was a head-up nose, a four-eye, and a stand-up, linebacker we had a different playbook that we had in for those guys um we would try to attack the edges because that stand-up edge guy he's a wide guy and he is basically saying i'm not letting anything outside so you can throw your hat and you can try to reach him you can put him in panic mode so you can really soften up the edge there so i depending on what kentucky what their what their plan of attack is for us i could see us adjusting back to four two five and putting a tyreek and another big guy in there to anchor up front um, but honestly, I mean, that three three five and having Bam there and all the movement in the games we were doing up front, it was, uh, I mean, it put Kentucky, kind of put them in a little bit of a, in a bind, um, just trying to sort everything out. So I think, I think you'll see a blend of both. I think there will be a transition point where they'll probably bounce back and forth from the three three five to four two five, um, and keep Van, uh, not keep Vandy, keep Kentucky on their toes. And that's a very good breakdown right there, again, of, of how 3-3-5 defense could factor against Kentucky this weekend. And we don't necessarily know if that's going to be the main uh, uh, form of defense they're going to be using or if they bounce back between that and the 4-2-5 like we've seen over these past couple weeks. But but he does bring up a good point there. And obviously Ray Davis, with his speed, has the ability to get outside on the edges and really make you pay. That you know That's something you certainly have to watch out for this weekend if you decide to bring that kind of front against them. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be – it's kind of a game within a game, right, to, to think about this because 
as Pat was breaking down there, you know, you're gonna you're trying to project what Kentucky's game plan offensively is gonna be, you know, and, and so you you go back and you look at what they've done this season. You go back and look at, you know, what has uh what has Liam Cohen done throughout his career, whether it's been his two now two stints at Kentucky, other concepts that he had with the Rams. Generally, coaches are gonna, you know, butter their bread somewhere. You know, it, you don't expect Kentucky to come out with a completely different run scheme. They, they may add some things. They may tweak some things. They may take some things out. But you're going to structure your defensive game plan around what you think you're going to get from them. Now, what we don't know, Tyler, is, um, you know, what is what is the plan for South Carolina? I, I certainly anticipate we are going to see the 3-3-5 this week that, has been, that was unveiled a couple weeks ago. How much of it do we see? Um, you also got then, so that's pregame, but then you've got the in-game adjustment. Okay, what are you actually getting in-game uh, from the opposing offense? What's working? What's not? The the thing that you would love to have happen, just as a general point, is you know make make Devin Leary beat you, get this team into third down, whip Williams Bryce into a frenzy, frenzy, and then you can unleash that three-three-five that has helped you get to the quarterback more. It was a big issue for this defense before, say, the Texas A&M game. They were having a lot of trouble getting to the quarterback. They still haven't been phenomenal there, but since they have put in this package, they have had some spots of success because you're getting your best athletes on the field and in that 3-3-5 package. You got Bam Martin Scott on the field. You got Jaron Willis on the field. Um, that has helped them. That's given them more pass rush juice, and, yeah. and that's what you want here. And this offensive front that Kentucky brings to the table, one of the better ones in the SEC in terms of sacks allowed, only giving up 16 on the season and only giving up uh, around five tackles for losses a game, which is good for fifth in the SEC. So it's definitely going to be one of the stronger fronts as opposed to what you had this past weekend against Vanderbilt. So, again, that kind of um, you know maybe changes the way you look at it. And, again, the ability to run the ball with a special running back like Ray Davis, um, you know, they they could certainly make you pay in a lot of a lot of respects with that on offense. Well, here's something that Wes and I were discussing yesterday. A couple points on not Kentucky's pass protection, but in their run game, they actually are one of the lower graded. You mentioned how how well they've done pass protecting. On the flip side, they have not been great in the run blocking department. Which mm -hmm. you, you look at it seems kind of backwards, right? But because Ray Davis, very good at breaking tackles. Ray Davis, very good at breaking tackles. And so what you don't want is the, is the intersection of those two things where they, they're stacked up on each other where, you know, Kentucky's blocking very well and creating a lot of room, and Ray Davis is now at the second level breaking tackles. You know, he's going to break some tackles behind the line of scrimmage, at the line of scrimmage. Right. I don't want to say you can live with that, mm -hmm. but that's, there's a big difference between that and then breaking tackles once he's at the second level at the linebackers or, right. even worse, uh, <laughs> back in the secondary. Um, would you believe that Kentucky's lowest-rated run-blocking game was the Florida game, according to Pro Football Focus? Well, I, I mean, I guess I could see that because um, Ray Davis just— he, he did break a lot of tackles that day. He broke a lot of tackles in that game. He, he was absolutely fantastic in that game. But we were actually looking back at how many tackles he forced in that game. I can't even— Oh, is it like it's like 10 or 11, right? It was, yeah, it, it might have been a high number. I mean, it, it was, it was double-digit. So uh, he's been really good. But here's the other thing I was going to point out. Wes and I were talking about this yesterday. If you listen to Clayton White, he wasn't exactly— putting ray davis on a pedestal sure now he was not 
discounting him as a player at all, but he, he kind of made a point to say, hey, this is another good SEC back. We see a lot of good SEC backs. And if you go look up and down, like, you can kind of get lost in Ray Davis's game against Florida. Sure. It was a little bit more of an outlier. It was a tremendous performance by great performance by him. But other than that, I think he has two other 100-yard games this season, and it hasn't been like he's absolutely torn it up. Now, I think a big part of that, as we were discussing, is the fact that Kentucky has not blocked the run extremely well. He's certainly more than capable of doing it. I think Clayton White was kind of speaking to the fact that, hey, we have played a bunch of other good backs. You go up and down the list, they have, and uh, in, in almost every game this year. And trying to also, I think, build some confidence in his guys of, hey, let's let's not put this guy on a pedestal because we've played other good backs this year. Right. And, yeah, they, they've definitely played a higher caliber of defense these past couple weeks when you talk about Georgia, Missouri, Tennessee, Mississippi State, you know, a little bit farther down on that list. But Alabama this past weekend. So, yeah, his numbers certainly dwindled um, quite a bit compared to what he was doing at the beginning of the season against Ball State, Akron, Eastern Kentucky, and stuff like that. But, again, South Carolina has had trouble stopping the run a lot this season. So, it wouldn't be shocking if he went out there and had a great game on Saturday. Yeah, and I'll, I'll add, um, you know, hearing from Pat DeMarco a second ago, when Pat talks, I listen. Oh, his, my goodness. His, for one. He's a professor. Yeah, for one, he's he's outstanding. Two, his big subject last week was how Bam Martin Scott, he wants to see him play more, and then he has his breakout games. I, I, don't, know, I don't know if he had a tip there that uh that bam was going to play more or if he was just looking at um you know he just had that thought himself right but, uh here we are and um <laughs> you know obviously like we talked about bam has been really good in that new role for himself if you wonder how smart guys that play in the nfl are just listen to pat and marco when he talks with bill and you're like wow Everybody in the NFL has to be this level of smart to play at that level. Smart and the level of athleticism. Oh yeah. Like I so and Pat has gone the direction we always talk. So so the big guys, the big men, uh, especially offensive linemen. Right. Well, I don't have time to tell the story. So. You know what? We can tell the story on the other side. How about that? We'll do that. We'll wrap. Power's giving me the. <laughs> we'll wrap uh, it up. We'll wrap up today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs at uh, Goldline Framing in West Columbia here on the game. Welcome back in. Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler West and Chris broadcasting live. Gold Line Framing in West Columbia for a few more minutes here uh, going until noon. Then we'll throw things over to Terry who's out at the nest for today's edition of the halftime show. We had to run into a break there, so sorry to rudely interrupt West in the middle of the story, but we will let you continue with your thought from a moment ago. Tyler, when, when Tyler's ready for you to wrap up, he's yeah, like, it's done. We gives have, you the look. We have rules. We <laughs> yeah, he's like, shut up, West. You're talking too much again. Uh, I do want to give a shout-out to our friend Bill, who just dropped by. Um, loyal supporter, I feel like. Of, Come by and see us a few times. Yep, yeah, of uh, both the show here and uh, GamecockCentral.com. So appreciate you, Bill. Hopefully you're back in the car now and, and are hearing your shout-out, but always good to see you. Uh, but, man, DeMarco, so all the, the big guys, and normally it's offensive linemen, um, when, when they get out of ball, they go two ways. You know, some, some of them, we won't talk about that, but some of them just <laughs> they get really fit. Yeah, and uh, and Pat is uh, yeah super fit. T.J. Johnson, by the way, was in town for the uh, the Spurrier days yeah. thing. Super fit now. He went the the fit direction. I didn't get to see T.J. It, yeah, I'm intrigued now. Did, 
I almost didn't recognize him. So it's, it's always funny to me, like offensive linemen specifically. I know, like you've seen the picture of like the Pouncey brothers. Now they're like little sticks compared to what they were when they were playing in Pittsburgh and uh, you know playing at Florida as well. Like the transformation some of those guys have as soon as they finish playing, because of course you know having to bulk and you know carry all that weight for the position. Like some of them immediately slip down. It's the craziest thing. Well, and the the kind of unspoken scary part of that is you kind of realize, hey, maybe. Maybe it's not that good to 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 have to be that big to be able to compete, sure. which you you have to be, sure. um, you know, at this level. But but the the actual story. So Pat ran the uh, Gamecock 5K. Can't remember what they call it. The one that was the day of the spring game. Okay. Hockey track. Uh, the, yes. Yeah, the one we tried to get Bill to run. Yes. And he he was flying. <laughs> I mean, just I don't know if he finished first. He may have, but halt. And I'm like. You you don't really realize how athletic you have to be. Who says fullbacks are slow to play in the <laughs> NFL? It's a, it's a fullback tight yeah. end, and yeah. he is just—I mean, he was gone. So anyway, I got—I'm just trying to say I got a ton of respect for Pat Demarco, and I could listen to him talk football oh, yeah. for hours. And when he comes in and talks with Bill, you know, I think it's usually on like Wednesday mornings. It's it's really good, really insightful, and uh, a good breakdown that you kind of have to take notes as you're going along, and you're going to get lost somewhere in the middle because he just he goes completely in depth on it. You can just see the football mechanisms working within his mind when he's talking about. It. Really need to hear. Love that stuff. Um, what, what did he say about the game this week? Does he have the Gamecocks? Uh, I mean, figured he would. As he as we we try and be positive about it, right? Like if if it's just an unfavorable matchup, we're honest, but. You know, I think most of us feel like this is an opportunity and the ESPN FPI still has South Carolina favored in this game. Like, as long as they go out there and handle their business, they should be able to win. It could be close, but I don't think it's going to be a blowout like last week. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I think should be able to win is probably the best way to say it. I would stop short of saying they should win. I yeah. think it's, I think this is such a tight football game. Like, I, I don't necessarily think this is a game where you sit there and say, you are talking earlier, Chris, when you're outmatched, you sit there and say, well, you have to win the turnover battle. I think this is a game you can't lose the turnover battle, but if, yeah. if it just is an evenly played game where neither side is turning the ball over or the, the turnovers are equal, it probably does. Something you brought up earlier probably comes down to, to red zone, man. Like, who's kicking field goals? Who's scoring touchdowns? The game a couple of years ago in Columbia when these two teams faced, I mean, it was an old-school SEC defensive battle. And Carolina had the ball – uh, several times in plus territory where they took over in great field position and were not able to score. You know, Beamer Beamer brings that game up from time to time, talking about whether you go for it on fourth down or not. And they were very aggressive in that game, but didn't get a couple of those fourth downs. And so, you know, I, I think I think both sides probably internally go into this game feeling like they're going to go win, which means from the outside looking in, you, you're – talking about two pretty relatively closely matched football teams. Yeah, the the latest line on this game is, what, close to the pick'em? There's like a couple points, I think, at one point, uh, the, at the last check. And so, yeah, I think, I think that's what everybody's anticipating. Tight game, both sides probably picking their own team, right? Uh, Kentucky people probably think they should slash will win this game. South Carolina people probably, you know, think should slash will or, or maybe at the very minimum you know cautiously optimistic about this game sure uh last check of the line it has kentucky favored by a point and a half that is per espn 
Which is not even... I mean, it's essentially a pick'em. Yeah, essentially. By the way, I do... We were hoping to have this today. I think we're going to have somebody from KSR. Okay. I'm, I'm waiting on cool. the, the final confirmation on time, but I, I think during our 11 o'clock hour tomorrow, we're going to have Adam Luckett from KSR. They are in the process of uh, getting... They'll be driving at the time, coming yeah. down to Columbia, but... Uh, I think yeah. we'll have that. I listened to some of their stuff this week. They don't seem to like Beamer too much. Yeah. They, uh, <laughs> you know, this may not be a rivalry, but it's, they, 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 it's borderline they getting make, there. They make it sound like it is. I'll say that much. Yeah, there are a couple fan bases that, for some reason, seem extremely bothered by Shane Beamer. And Kentucky's one, Tennessee's the other one. Yeah. Tennessee. I guess they're bothered by everybody. I guess so. That'll do it for today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Thank you to everyone here at Goldline Framing in West Columbia for allowing us to be out here. We'll be back in studio tomorrow. We'll have by ourselves. We'll get you set for South Carolina and Kentucky coming up on Saturday. Halftime show with Terry out at the Nest in Columbia coming up next here on The Game. All right, guys, what's up? Show is over. we got to tell you about one more awesome, great sponsor. It's our friends over at Integrated Media, integratedmediainc.com. Hit them up right now, 803-948-8327. Guess what? I know football season for college ball is almost over. we still got NFL. we got basketball season rolling. Upgrade the man cave today. They can do anything and everything you could imagine. That could be a brand-new TV. That could be surround sound. Have them come out and do what they did for me. They upgraded the whole home Wi-Fi. We ran Ethernet throughout the house to the office to the other office, and uh, just got us all hooked up. So whatever you can imagine involving audio, visual at your house, uh, maybe you want to make your home smarter with smart home aspects. They can do that too. External speakers when you're outside sitting around the fire. They can do that too. Anything and everything you can imagine, our friends at Integrated Media are going to do it for you. Again, integratedmediainc.com. Hit them up today. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.